you have your Bibles, turn with us to the book of Acts, the 27th chapter. And we're going to begin reading in verse 13. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosing thence, they sailed close by Crete. This was Paul's journey to Rome and what was beginning to be a terrible shipwreck. Verse 14 says, but not long after there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Eurocladon. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. And running under a certain island, which is called Clauda, we had much work to come by the boat, which when they had taken up, they used helps undergirding the ship and fearing lest they should fall into the quicksands, strake sail, and so were driven. And we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. And the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. We cast off with our own hands the tackling of the ship. Now, this is Luke writing this. He was a companion of Paul and the author of the book of Acts. And he's telling this story. It's not just the sailors. It's not just the ship's crew, but everybody on board. We were using our own hands and casting off the tackling of the ship. I want to preach to you for a few minutes tonight. Maybe teach, I don't know, maybe preach. <laughs> we'll see, combination. But I want to preach this thought, casting off the stuff. Casting off the stuff. Lord, we ask you for your anointing that you would speak to our hearts. Let your word not return to you void, but go forth and accomplish what pleases you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. You may be seated. Pastor Voskus the other night mentioned something in his message about a person who had backslidden. And I think he ran into them in a store somewhere and got to talking to them about God and they in turn begin to weep and talk about how they missed that fellowship, that relationship with God's people and with God and the great services and the memories of what God had done in their life. And as any pastor would want to know, he said, then why don't you just come back to God? You may remember her answer. Her answer was stuff. There's just too much stuff. And when he said that, I thought of this scripture because as I was reading this one day, I got interested in what tackling was. And so I looked up this word in the Greek and it actually means 
stuff. <laughs> it means stuff. And I, I was amazed at that because I thought about, well, what was he talking about and, then, and, and why would they get rid of the stuff? But if you notice in, in the verse previous to that, it said that, that they began to lighten the ship. This was on the second or third day of the storm. They began to lighten the ship and they began to get rid of stuff. Now, this, this message is going to relate to a lot of people because everybody out here has got stuff. How many feel like you got too much stuff? Let me see. <laughs> Thank God you didn't go away from God because of the stuff. But there comes a time, I, my, my mother passed from this life. She was 91 years old. But one of her favorite pastimes was go to the junk store. She loved to go to the Goodwill, to Salvation Army, to the, any thrift store there was, and she'd buy all kind of stuff, and she'd bring that stuff home, and then maybe a few months later, she'd be going through a closet, and she said, I've got so much stuff, I think I'll just get, grab a lot of this stuff and take it to the Goodwill and donate it. And she would go there to donate this stuff, and while she was there, she'd get more stuff. I wondered sometime if she wasn't buying the same stuff that she just donated. When mom and dad, actually when my dad passed away, some, I guess it was about 10, maybe 11 years before mother did, after a couple of years she moved from that house that they had lived in for most of my life and I had the job as the youngest of going up in the attic in the middle of the summer where it was about 130 degrees and getting rid of all the stuff. Boxes of stuff, closets of stuff. Then I had to go out in my dad's tool shed and get rid of stuff. I've never seen so much stuff in my life, I don't guess, until I got ready to move. So sometimes we just have to lighten the load, don't we? I know that this has to do with a lot of us when it comes to materialistic things and, and here in the book of Acts, this recording of the uh, shipwreck of the ship that they were headed toward Rome in. But uh, I wonder tonight as I look at that word tackling, it says they cast out the tackling and it actually meant utensils, equipment, gear, and finally the word stuff. So I, I began to think about the spiritual application of what took place during this storm that lasted for two weeks. Verse 13, first of all, says that when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they began to sail toward by Crete and on their journey. Paul had been warned by God that they should not leave and he told the captain of the vessel, but he said, well, there's a good south wind gently blowing, so I think we'll go ahead and take our chances. Sometimes when we start our spiritual journey toward heaven, it starts out with a soft wind blowing gently. 
But how many times have we found out in our walk with God that the soft wind can uh, can suddenly turn into a wind and a storm that has a name to it? You know, now in America we have names. It used to be that all hurricanes were named after ladies. Does anybody remember that? I guess that's why they call them hurricanes instead of hemicanes. I don't know. But now they rotated, and, and I guess everybody wants their chance of having their name on a storm, and so one, one storm is a, named after a woman, and the next storm is named after a man, and I'm, I imagine the way things are going now, that'll soon stop also. And we'll have a neutral hurricanes or something, you know. But in our journey and walk with God, it's not always going to be a gentle, soft wind from the south. There will be storms that will rise up. And I'm going to tell you, if you've ever been, I've been on some rough seas before and in some small boats, and I'm telling you, it is not a pleasant situation. If we could talk to Brother Jonah, I'm sure he could tell us a little something about that. But when we realize all the stuff, then we little picture here of a, a, a ship that is looks like been torn in two, and you notice the crew is beginning to throw boxes of stuff over. Some of the stuff that they got rid of, this was their living. This was their merchandise. It was the way that they made their living. They were on their way to Rome, no doubt. There was a, a, a ship full of goods that they were going to sell and trade. And it would be a hard thing to think you're taking your money and just throwing it overboard. But realizing that the consequences of not doing that would to be drowned at sea, then the, the value of the stuff suddenly loses its, its, its value. We have to understand there are some things that are worth giving up if we are going to make the eternal life called the rapture. Hallelujah. There are some things, some stuff in this life that we've got to lay down and that we've got to get rid of. Notice there will be storms and when, it, when there are, we've got to, the, 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 the thing we need to do is not hold on to the stuff. That's the worst thing in the world you can do. Sometimes God allows us to go through storms because he knows there's stuff in our lives that we need to get rid of. I think it was Brother Wilson that preached a message one time. Don't let your storm be in vain. Did you, did you preach that in Lafayette for us one time? I think, I think if I remember correctly. I'm sorry. Don't let your storm go to waste. That message has stuck with me. Because I'm going to tell you, how many of you have been serving God long enough that you've been uh, through a few storms in life? You've been living long enough, you've been through some storms. If you haven't been, just be patient. They're on the way somewhere down the line. But thank God that, 
your storm is not wasted. Thank God that your storm is not in vain because sometimes it takes the storm to come through to make us evaluate what is really important in our lives. Uh, not just the junk, not just the stuff, not just the wares, not how much we can buy or sell, but that our soul is worth more than anything that this world has to offer. The Bible said they begin to cast out the stuff. Things that we think we aren't, that, that we need, aren't really important when you're about to die. People think, you know, boy, I wish I had more time to, to go fishing. Or I wish I had more time to go hunting. Or I wish I had that new scope for my rifle. Or I wish I had that new reel that, wow, I, I could be a better, uh, I could catch that big bass if I had that one, you know. And you already got 15 of them and still can't catch one. <laughs> but that one that, you know, is on sale, you know, you got to say, and try that one out. And, oh, don't get me started on the ladies in the shoes, okay, in the purses. Uh, but sometimes we just get so much stuff that we don't know what we're going to do with all this stuff. God help us to realize in the spiritual sense, if we're not careful, we can be overburdened and overweighed with the cares of this life and the things that, that the devil wants to weight us down to the point where we can't go to church as faithfully as we ought to or we can't pray, don't find the time to pray like we ought to or we don't find the time to witness. But I'm telling you, on death's bed, none of those things will be important to you anymore. The only thing that really will matter is your relationship between you and God. We must understand that this life is only a vapor that appeareth for a little while and vanisheth away. But thank God uh, there's an eternal life that's waiting for those that'll be faithful to him. The Bible tells us in 2 Samuel, the second, 22nd chapter, you can look there in your Bibles if you have them. If not, you'll see it up on the screen, no doubt. I hope. Second Samuel 22 and verse 3. The God of my rock, this is David speaking here, in him will I trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower and my refuge, my Savior. Thou savest me from violence. I will call on the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. When the waves of death come past me, the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell come past me about. The snares of death prevented me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried to my God and he did hear my voice out of his temple and my cry did enter into his ears. The word sorrow in this verse, of verse six, it said the sorrows of hell compassed me about. The word sorrows there is from the Hebrew word that means tackling. The tackling that that those cares, the stuff 
that compassed me about, God loosed me from them. Praise God. The Lord heard my cry when I cried out in distress. And the Lord heard my voice out of his temple. That's why it's an important thing to come to the house of God. When the storms of life have compassed you, when the tackling of life has compassed you about and stuff gets in your way, you can call on the name of Jesus. Woo, hallelujah. Notice this same word, although it's used in a different sense uh, than the word sorrows here, but it is in Isaiah, the 33rd chapter and verse 22. For the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our king. Everybody say, he will save us. Thy tacklings are loosed. Thy tacklings are loosed. There comes a time when we need to say, God, I'm tired of being compassed about with so much junk. We're being compassed about with so much stuff. Uh, by being compassed about by everything the devil wants to tie me up with. And I ask you to loose my tacklings uh, and help me to cast off the stuff in Jesus' name. The Lord will save us. Thy tacklings, thy stuff is loosed. And notice what he goes on to say in, in the next part of this scripture. They could not spread the sail. Then is the prey of a great spoil divided. The lame take the prey. And the inhabitant shall not say, I am sick. The people that dwell therein shall be forgiven their iniquities. Now the inhabitant that he's talking about is the inhabitant of Zion. Because verse 20 said, Look upon Zion, the city of our solemnities, Thine eyes shall see Jerusalem, a quiet habitation, a tabernacle. The inhabitant of Zion shall say, I am not sick. Thank God, when, when, or I am sick. The people that dwell therein shall be forgiven their iniquities. When we realize that we're sick of the word of, of the devil, when we're sick of the stuff that the devil wants to put on us, then thank God we can lift it off and cast it off and say, I'm going to lighten this ship because this old ship is going to Zion. Woo, hallelujah. No longer am I going to stay here encumbered with the things and the cares of this life. Brother Larry mentioned the scripture in 1 Peter 5 and 7 and I always love it when God gives me a message and I wonder, you know how it is, Bishop, when you, you're, you're wondering, I hope, hope I got the right message. I hope I, you know, and I always love it when God lets somebody give a scripture that I'm going to use during that message and it's just a consolation that you're on track. 1 Peter 5 and 7 casts, it says, casting all your care upon him. For he cares for you. What is all of this care? It's just stuff. Just stuff. Burdens, sorrows, worries, anxiety, fear, and etc. Everybody say, the stuff. The devil wants to place upon you to weigh you down. 
The word depression has the word press in it. The devil loves to press people down and push them down. But I thank God that the Lord loves to lift us up. And if we'll lift him up, he's going to lift us up. If we'll magnify him, he will bless us. Can you say amen? But how many has ever come to church when it felt like you couldn't even lift your hands above your head? When it felt like you couldn't even rise up off of the pew because of the stuff that had weighted you down? Not only that day, but maybe for weeks or months at a time when the Lord gives us the solution. He said, take all that stuff and cast it on him because he cares for you. Hallelujah. Look over at your neighbor and say, Jesus cares. For you. The Bible gives us a beautiful illustration of this in the, in the Gospel of Luke in the 8th chapter. We call it the story of the rich young ruler. The Bible said there was a young ruler that, I'm sorry, this, this is a different one. I'll get to the rich young ruler a little later. This is the one that says, uh, about the, the, the seed being sown into the different types of ground. And the Bible said that uh, in verse 7, I'm not going to take time to read all the types of ground, but verse 7 said, And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. Has anybody here tonight ever felt just choked by the cares of life? Just life. The world that we live in the junk that we read on the news, the stuff that we see day by day that happens and takes place. Sometimes I feel like Lot must have felt when the Bible said his righteous soul was vexed when he saw the wickedness of Sodom. We sometimes wonder, can this world get any worse? But yet the Bible said that wicked men shall wax worse and worse. We've got to understand that things aren't going to get better for this world, but they're going to get better for the church. Can you say amen? This is a better place to be than anything that this world has to offer. So noticing this, verse 14, the disciples came to Jesus and they said, Lord, explain this parable to us. And in his explanation in verse 14, he explains the thorny ground. And that which fell among thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth. Everybody say they, they did go forward. And later on, they are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. It's a sad thing to see somebody live for God for just a few weeks how many knows somebody that got baptized, got the Holy Ghost, but then you never saw them again? It was that, that was the stony ground. As soon as they heard it, the devil snatched the word away from them. That was ground that had no roots. They never got rooted. But what's sad is to see people that have been in church for years, they've got rooted, they got planted, they, they begin to spring forth, they go forward for God. It looks like here's somebody that's gonna have some stickability. But the next thing you know, you start noticing them missing on Wednesday night. And then sometimes maybe they're there on Sunday morning, but they're not there on Sunday night. 
And the next thing you know, they're every other Sunday morning. And the next thing you know, you haven't seen them in about a month. And when you talk to them, man, we sure been missing you in church. And you know how it is? They at first kind of want to, if you're walking down one aisle in Walmart, they shift to the other one. Brother Don Johnson said one time he saw one of those wayward saints and he said he saw him in the store this back in the day when you could smoke a pipe in public. And he had his pipe out and was smoking it and Brother Johnson said he saw him and the guy saw him and, 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 he, and he turned real quick and stuck it down in his pants pocket. He said, I saw what he did and so just out of meanness, I just kept staying in there and waiting and talking to him and talking until his pants about got on fire. Smoke bill went out of the pocket. Finally had to pull that pipe out and sure enough, your sins find you out. I miss those days as a young preacher. I used to drive Brother Johnson and Brother Pipkin, Brother J. Frank Wilson around and take them. We'd go to conferences and stuff together. Boy, they could tell some stories. I loved it. Still remember a lot of them. But I've done the same thing to try to head somebody off at the pass, you know. Get there and say, hey, hey, don't run. Been missing you at church. Oh, I... I got a second job now so I can buy some more stuff. But don't worry, Pastor, because that means I got more tithes to pay. Yeah, if you come to church. (laughs) But you can drift away because the cares. I'm going to tell you, it'd be better if you didn't have anything but a teepee to live in and a horse to ride on than to have two cars in your driveway and have a mansion sitting on the hilltop and got all the money in the world in the bank account and your soul be lost. Jesus said, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Sometimes we have all the, the, the looks of success according to the world's description. But I'm telling you that success is just getting your soul ready to meet God. Get your heart right with God. That's the success that we need. And so everything went great for a while, but then the cares of life, they cause it thorns. We are, they were choked with cares and riches and pleasures. Everybody say of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. Now we'll talk about that rich young ruler that came to Jesus and he asked him, he said, "What, Master, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, keep my commandments. This is found in Mark 10 and verse 21. And Jesus, and, and, and the young man said, all these have I observed from my youth. And Jesus beholding him, Everybody say loved him. I'm going to tell you, when, when, you, when your pastor, the minister of the gospel gets on your toes a little bit and kind of preaches down to where you're living and it kind of brings that old conviction spirit in you and you feel like, wow, I don't know if I ought to run to the altar or run to the back door. 
Run to the altar because he's doing that because he loves you. He must give an account for your soul that he might do it with joy which is profitable unto you. Sometimes it takes a man of God to just preach. I remember when I had drifted away from the Lord and let cares of life get a hold of me. I received the Holy Ghost when I was 10 years old, but at the age of 17, my, my cousin asked me what I mind filling in with because their rock group, their rock band, their lead guitar player had left and he knew I played the guitar and he said, would you mind just filling in practice and that's all. And I thought, well, I guess that wouldn't be no harm. And we started practicing, but the next thing you know, it became part of the band. And we had a gig once or twice and kind of liked the feeling. It felt pretty good to have people clapping and doing all that applauding for your singing and your playing. And next thing I know, we had an audition for Teenage Nightclub. And I went to church on a Wednesday night like this. And my pastor got up and preached, you can't serve God and the world. If you're straddling the fence, you need to make up your mind tonight. Am I gonna live for God? Am I gonna live for the devil? Had there been 10,000 people in that little church, I knew God was talking to me. And I made my way to that altar that night and while I was praying, God said, it's not enough just to say, I'm sorry, God. You need to get rid of some stuff. I got up from that altar with a made up mind. I'm not gonna be a fence straddler another day in my life and I'm not gonna go over to this side. I've been on this one for about seven years and I know this is the way that I need to go and devil, you almost got me suckered but you're a loser and I'm a winner because I'm gonna make up my mind to serve the Lord. I remember the first thing I did when I got home that night. I got on the phone, I called my cousin, and I said, I'm not gonna be playing in the band anymore. He said, oh man, why not? We're, we're just getting going good. I said, I can't do that and serve God. I have to choose, choose you this day. The stuff or the greatest thing this side of heaven and the only thing that's gonna get you to heaven. Hallelujah. Now, I don't mean to scare anybody, but right after that, God called me to preach. <laughs> so don't think if you get dumping off the stuff, God's going to call you to preach. I mean, if he does, wonderful, but it, some of you wouldn't want to preach. But although all of us ought to preach, can you say amen to that? Not necessarily in the pulpit, but we've got a, we've got a message. Can you say amen? So I got rid of that. But notice what this young man says. He said, what must I do? Jesus said, keep my command. Well, all of those have I kept. He beheld him and loved him. And because he loved him, he said, one thing thou lackest. Go thy way. 
sell whatsoever thou hast and give to the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come take up the cross and follow me. You'd have thought, man, I mean, if I asked Jesus, what must I do to make heaven, Brother Brad, and he just said, one thing you like, I'd say, whoo, that ain't too bad. I figured there's a lot of things I was liking it. Just one? One thing thou lackest. But the Bible said, rather than rejoice over that and get rid of that one thing, that he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved. Why? For he had great possessions. God help us today when our possessions are worth more than our salvation. I said, God help us today when our stuff is more important to us than our salvation. Oh, hallelujah. You can't take it with you. Paul Harvey, anybody remember him? Old enough to remember him. One day he said, I saw a a hearse pulling a U-Haul trailer behind it one day. And on the back of the trailer, the guy that had died had written, I am taking it with me. (laughs) What a disappointment he's going to have. Amen. I knew a guy loved his Harley so much he, he, he buried it with him. I'd rather he just gave it to me. Because it's going to sit down there and go back to rust. I'm going to tell you something. The only thing that really matters is your soul. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? He went away sad and grieved when he could have went, went away happy and rejoicing because the only thing he was lacking in, Brother Tucker, was just to get rid of the stuff uh, and instead he got sad because he had so much stuff and he didn't want to get rid of it. I'm about to close, but I want to urge somebody today. I don't know who this may be for. Maybe it's for all of us. Maybe you're going to go home, clean out your closet. (laughs) But that's not really the purpose of this. The purpose is that we clean out our heart. Because if our heart is full of stuff that is hindering us from living for God, it's time to lighten the ship. Amen? It's time to cast off the tackling to get rid of this stuff. I want to close with this verse, chapter 21 of Luke. And verse 34. Jesus said, and take heed to yourselves. Lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life. And so that day come upon you unawares. 
Don't be so involved with the things of this world that your heart is overcharged. I got under conviction here a while back just watching the news because all it did was make me angry. And I got a bad spirit. I'd get grouchy to my wife. She said, you've been watching the news? There's some things we all just lay it, lay it down and say, you know what? Me getting mad is not going to change a thing. I don't even know if when we go vote if it's going to change much of anything anymore. But I know this, that my God is in control. Woo, hallelujah. I said our God is in control. He sets up whom he will. He takes down whom he will. He's in control and none of these, every one of these kingdoms including America are gonna all crumble to the ground but there is a kingdom that's gonna be eternal and that's the kingdom of God. Folks, if you've not been born again, you need to get baptized in Jesus' name. Let God fill you with the Holy Ghost. Come on, repent of your sins and get in the church, hallelujah. Get in this old ship of Zion and if, if, if along the journey you feel like that the ship's about to sink, go ahead and throw the stuff overboard. Go ahead and cast off the tackling and realize that heaven is worth it no matter what the cost that we may have to pay. Stand with me if you would tonight, please. The Bible said he went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. And Jesus said, how hardly shall they that are rich enter into the kingdom of God. His disciples, when he heard, when they told him that, said, Lord, they were amazed. Who then can be saved? Jesus said, with man it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And he said how it is hard. And I want you to notice this. It is as hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God as it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Now, we're thinking of a needle that we sold with. But when I was in Israel, there was actually a very low passageway that you could go through. It was very narrow and low. And you could get through there with a camel, but if that camel was loaded down with stuff, he wouldn't fit through the eye, the needle. And the person that owned the camel would have to stop at the eye of the needle and unload the camel, take the camel through, and then go back and get the stuff. But I'm telling you, there's a lot of stuff. We just need to leave it on the other side of the needle. I don't know who may be feeling weighed down tonight because of the cares of this life, because of anxiety, worry, fear. But I want to give an invitation to everybody here tonight that would like to say, Lord, I'm going to take this stuff 
and I'm going to cast it on you. I'm going to take my cares and my worry and my anxiety and my fears and I'm going to cast them on you, Lord, because all they're doing is weighing me down and I'm having a hard time getting through the eye of the needle. It's not just riches. It's what goes along with it. All the concerns and the worries and the anxiety and the fretfulness, casting it all off. I'm going to get down here and join all of you because along the journey, no matter how long we've been in the church, we're going to face some storms where we have to make a decision. Is all this stuff I've got on this ship really going to profit me if I don't make heaven? I think it's time. Everybody say, I think it's time to lighten the ship. I think it's time to cast all of our cares upon Jesus. Why? Because he cares for us. Why don't you just, with that motion, just kind of take a, take a hand and say, Lord, I'm giving this to you. You know what it is. I'm, I'm not interested in what your load is or what your burden is. I, I don't want you to have to tell me about it. I want you just to cast it on to Jesus right now because he's reaching out with nail-scarred hands and saying, why don't you let me take that from you? Why don't you give me that burden? Why don't you give... You see, he loved that young man. That's why he said, go ahead and sell what you got. Take up your cross and follow me. I'm going to give you treasures in heaven that none of this stuff you've got right now can even compare to. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If it's appropriate, if you would, just take somebody's hand standing next to you. The Bible said that we should bear one another's burden and lift their hand up with yours right now and say, Lord, we together cast our cares upon you. We cast our burdens upon you. We cast our fears upon you. We cast our worries and our anxiety of whether we're going to have enough money at the end of the week to make the bills. Lord, we, we're doing all that we can do now. God, you've got to take over and do what we cannot do. We cast it on you, Lord, knowing that you care for us. Not one sparrow can fall to the ground without you knowing about it. And how much more valuable are you than a sparrow? Hallelujah. I don't want you to just lift your both hands to him right now and begin to praise him. Thank you, Jesus, for taking our burdens. Thank you, Jesus, for bearing our burden. Thank you, Lord, for taking our cares. We cast them out, Lord. We lighten the ship tonight. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Jesus is the sweetest name I know. Do you believe that? And He's just the same. As his lovely name Oh, 
why I love him so. For Jesus is the sweetest name I know. Let's clap our hands to the Lord tonight. Amen, amen. We know if we have no other announcements, we're going to dismiss you tonight. But before you leave, shake somebody's hand, tell them you love them in the Lord, and say, we're just going to cast all the stuff on Jesus tonight. Praise God. Go home lighter than when you came in tonight. Praise the Lord.